The guests on Love Hurts occasionally use some adult language and go into some more intense subject matter, but that's kind of how real life works anyway. This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. Today's guest is Edith Gonzalez. Edith is a storyteller and anthropologist living in New York City. Edith shares the story about the one who got away, but in her version, they stay in each other's lives for over 25 years. In that time, they've learned more about their feelings for each other and have sustained an intimacy that's existed from the beginning. Hey, Edith, how's it going? Hey, Brian, it's going great. Cool. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for coming over here to share some share some love hurt stories. Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, yeah, what did you want to talk about today? Um, I wanted to talk about the idea of the one that got away um, and that relationship that becomes the touchstone as you move through your life and you look back at it and go like, I wonder if sort of moments. Yeah, because it's, it's like the one that got away, but it's also like the one that keeps coming back around, I guess, somehow. Like, Yeah, it comes back. I feel like... Um, so I had somebody say something to me recently that I thought was pretty profound. And they said that as you progress through your life, you stop making these wildly inappropriate choices in your love life. And so the relationships that you have become more and more successful in in the large part. But then there are like the 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 last mile of it that just is not working. So it makes them harder to just completely jettison the whole thing and be like, ugh, I never want to speak to that person again kind of situation. Yeah, if it didn't end in some like big crash and everyone hated each other and are like, yeah, right. it's much harder to be like, oh, I never want this person in my life again if there was yeah. not this impetus to be like, yeah. this was a disaster. Mm-hmm. So the, the story that... Um, so I have one of those. Okay. I think we all kind of have one yeah. of those. And um, so it all started in 1994. I feel it's in, actually in 1993. Correction, 1993. And um, I met this guy in a nightclub, which doesn't really happen anymore, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he was kind of amazing. I was dan- I was on the dance floor. I was dancing to Pearl Jam. So that will set set. The, yeah, that the is stage. Class, like it's 93. That's yeah, 93, you're right on. Some serious Pearl Jam playing. And I was that I was always the girl who was the first one on the dance floor, rocking out to myself, eyes closed. I never was concerned about meeting anybody. And I think at that moment I had probably said, I never want to meet anyone again because I did make wildly inappropriate um <laughs> choices um but you know hey young and foolish that's what you're supposed to do i guess and so i was dancing and i hear this like i can feel that there's someone in front of me i have my eyes closed and this guy leans over and says in my ear where's your boyfriend and it was this deep scottish rum you know, rumble um and i opened my eyes and it was this six foot four viking of a man like just flaming red hair. He didn't have a kilt on, but um, might as well have. And and so I, I just said, I was unaware that I had a boyfriend. And if you point him out next time, I'll keep track of him. And he thought that was funny. And so we started dancing. And my friends were sort of making fun of me because about a week before, I was just like, I am done. I'm not dating anyone. And then this 
gorgeous specimen showed up and I was like, okay, maybe just one more. And after we left the the club closed and we left the club, uh, it was Webster Hall. There's a full context (laughs) for you. Um, My friends were waiting outside and... I, when I had asked him his name, I thought he said Mac, being Scottish. But in fact, he had said Mike, but I couldn't hear him over the music. And that summer, I um, I had dated six guys in a row named Mike. They were all very <laughs> short-lived. <laughs> and so my friends were like, no more Mikes, no more Michael, whatever. So we go out, and my friend Betty was waiting for me. And I was like, oh, this is Mac. And he says, no, 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 my name's Mike. And she looks at him and goes, see ya. <laughs> and we, we, it turned out we lived like a block away from each other. Wow. And yeah. on both on the, on the south side of 7th Street, and I always joke because like I'm a really I'm very nerdy. I'm a scientist. I like math, and so our addre- my address was double his address, the house number, and I just thought that was really a perfect math sentence. So um, I let him walk me home, and I discovered that he was in New York finishing a master's degree, an MFA in sculpture, and he was in his last year, and I was starting my last year of my master's program, and when we got to my door of my building I went in we went into that really crappy vestibule that I think most of the buildings (laughs) on that street have and it became this really indelible memory for me and I don't know if this happens to you but sometimes you have this moment that's you remember it's a it's a complete sense memory you remember everything about it so in this moment I could remember leaning against the tile of that shitty vestibule because I, it was cold um, against my shoulder and he kissed me goodnight and I could s- smell the smoke in his hair and he did this thing to my ear that was, he sort of caressed my ear in a way that it felt like he was sculpting me out of clay and it was a perfect first kiss and I thought, wow, this is, this is good, right? So what I realized, and I guess maybe this is my, I'll have to talk to my therapist about this part of it, is he was leaving and therefore he was safe because he was, it was about his last year and I was leaving New York. I was going away to a PhD program. Yeah, so you had that thing of like this can't really go wrong because this is ending anyway like there's a there's a very clear end date on this yeah and we can just like really enjoy this moment exactly so basically because like i said i'm a, i'm a very logical person and um and so love for me is always a little bit challenging because i don't think that people should make big life decisions based on how they feel at the moment um that that really there have to be there has to be some logic behind it some good evidence-based thought going on yeah where this kind of moment let you turn your brain off in a way because you're like Mm -hmm. oh i guess i don't have to think about this stuff because there is nothing to think about because this is what this is exactly and um then But what inevitably happens when you stop thinking about it is you start feeling about it. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this guy was really spectacular. And I think part of just his makeup was he didn't really see the need to discuss feelings. He was like, you feel the feelings and you act accordingly. And he was incredibly romantic. Um, 
we spend a lot of time going to see bands. We spend a lot of time hearing uh, hearing music together. And he would always make me mixtapes and leave me these romantic mixtapes. And we both knew that at the end of August, like he was going back to Scotland. I was going down to University of Virginia to try and get a PhD, which I eventually did, but not there. And it was kind of towards the um, sort of the middle of the spring semester when I went down to his studio. He was working on one of his final projects for you know to to get his degree in sculpture and. I went into his studio and I hadn't really seen what he was. I saw some of the things he'd been working on, but I hadn't seen his final project. And when I went into his studio, he had done a sculpture of, um, do you know what a Bodhisattva Buddha looks like? It's no. It's the ones, it's the sort of slender Buddhas with the eight arms. Okay. And it was, so it's this Buddha sitting on a drum and the drum had the relief of animals carved into it. And the the Buddha has, the eight-armed Buddhas usually have a weapon in each hand. It's pretty fierce. But the thing about this Buddha was she had my face and my body. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And not like some idealized version of me. It really looked like me. And the body was my body with exactly how it looked. And it was kind of dipped in gold um so it was like this golden buddha shining sunrise fierce warrior with all these weapons and his nickname for me was buddha and not because um well you know not because of a bald head or (laughs) pot belly um but because he said that uh basically i was an insufferable know-it-all and i had an answer to everything (laughs) and it was funny um but when i saw this Buddha, I realized that he was one of the people who'd gotten past all of the sort of veneers that we put up and had gotten past the logical for me because I just suspended that. Yeah, you put this thing in your brain on pause and it let you actually like feel and fall for this great thing. And then like, you're like, wow, this is what happens when you end up falling for somebody and they end up falling for you. It was also, I just was my most relaxed and authentic self. Yeah. I just... So you're not worrying about... Ah, if yeah. he didn't like me, hey, doesn't matter. We're out of here anyway, right? Yeah. And um, and so when I saw that, I realized not only did he think that I was beautiful and wonderful and magical in some ways, but he also really saw me. Yeah. And that was kind of... Yeah, I guess that sculpture is sort of the, yeah, that was that coming out being like, this is what I see. And I'm now, which is a, like, I, that seems like, was it something that you felt like overwhelmed by? Or did you feel like, I don't know, what was your, was it like, this is amazing? Or you're also kind of like, this is kind of a lot. Like, was that the thing that you had? You were like, this is fine. I was like, it was, it was, oh my God, I was in awe of it because it was a moment that. I allowed myself to see myself that way through his eyes. Yeah. So it was a great gift to me. Now, the thing was, at this point, we'd been together for the better part of a year. And we had never said, I love you. We'd never said, I like you. We okay. never <laughs> expressed it in any verbal form. Um, we expressed it in a whole lot of other ways, but not that. And... 
so my brain immediately went there and was like, oh gosh, do how do I express to him the reciprocal of that? Because I did love him at this point. Yeah, and it feels like him making that kind of sculpture was him saying, I love you. Yeah, like yeah. That was sort of a very clear message. Yep. Like, this is what I think of you. And so as the summer progressed, I began to think about it more and more. Like, I don't want him to leave. Yeah, because now you're coming up to August or whatever. Yeah, when, yeah, so this was just before the end of the semester. So that heavy May, it would be in May. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, he's leaving in a couple months and it, leaving for immigration reasons. He couldn't, he wasn't going to be allowed to stay okay. in the country. Yeah. And so um, at this point, he'd moved in with me. So we were both living in my shitty apartment <laughs> on 7th Street. And we were sitting there and I thought, okay, I know what I'm going to do. Now, again, this is the 90s. I decided that I was going to ask him to marry me in a very practical way. To not say, oh, I love you. <laughs> but to say, I would really like to spend more time with you. And if the only barrier to that is immigration stuff, um, maybe you should... Just um, stay in the country. We can just get married. And and if it doesn't work out, like, no big whoop. We'll just get divorced and you can go back to Scotland or we can stay. Like, but however you want to do yeah, it. Yeah, it was another, is your logical brain coming out and being like, yeah. this is the thing that makes the most sense because I really like this thing and yeah. I want to see it through. Right. Also, I had no sentimental attachment to marriage. I never wanted to get okay. married. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So we're in my apartment and I'm sitting on his lap on my you know, crappy futon in my crappy apartment. And we were talking about the logistics for him leaving. And I kind of opened my mouth to say, hey, why don't we get married? But instead, what came out was, I love you. And he took a deep breath and he kind of lifted me off his lap and sat me next to him on the futon. And he stood up and he took three steps away from me and with his back to me said, that's unfortunate. Whoa. Yeah. You don't forget that easily. Man, that's, oh, man, that's so much because it's also like everything up until that point is like you're very close and intimate with each other in so many ways to then be like, oh, yeah, sorry, <gasps> you can't say this one thing because yeah. that is the thing that's going to shut everything down. Right. So I, in my practical way, was like, okay, you know, feelings, turn off, turn off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, now your logic brain is down like, the hatches. Get me out of this no. situation that I've. And so I just pretended like it didn't happen. And for the next, I don't know, six, eight weeks that he was, we were together. And I actually went to Scotland and, and um, stayed with him for a month or two um, before heading down to Virginia and never mentioned it. Didn't say it, didn't wow. do anything. And then we left and we and it was left completely open ended. Yeah, so, so now he's left the country and you're mm -hmm. just kind of like, All right, I guess we just pretend like we're going back to our lives and this mm -hmm. is not a thing anymore. And we sort of stayed in touch for um, maybe six months or so and he would sometimes send me mixtapes and um and then on Christmas yeah, so I guess it wasn't even six months. I guess it's like <laughs> three or four months later. And he, on Christmas, he called me in Virginia and he said, look, it's this is just too hard to do long distance. So I think we should just not talk, not talk. And I was like, okay. 
and I was very cool on the phone. And then I hung up and like cried my little eyes out. <laughs> and and was like, okay, I guess that makes sense because we can't really do yeah, it. This you know, really isn't something that can work. Right. Yeah. So the next year, um, I am getting ready to go to. <laughs> go to Israel. I was going to go um, work. I'm an archaeologist. I was going to work on a dig. And kind of before, maybe a month or so before I left, I actually got a mixtape from him that was, um, it was very cool. And it was um, all these songs that we had heard in clubs and listened to in um, when we were seeing bands and stuff in New York. They're all our sort of New York songs. And there was this one song, uh, Cindy Lauper's song called I Had a Love, when she was in the band Blue Angel was the first song on this tape. And so I listened to this tape. And because of that song that has these very romantic lyrics about lost love, um, I thought he was trying to tell me something. Because when when he first moved back to Scotland and we were still in touch, we were looking for ways for him to come back to the States. Yeah. And and I thought, maybe he's figured it out. Okay, cool. Um, and then I called him, and he's like, why are you acting so weird on the phone? Because I was all sort of giddy about it. And I was like, well, you know, the tape, that romantic tape that you sent me, that's clearly wanting us to get back together. <laughs> all the subliminal messages. And he said, there are no subliminal messages on that tape. That really is... Um, it's just a tape of New York songs that I had made, and I didn't even really make it for you. I made it for someone else. I made a copy of it for you. Oh, and again, mm -hmm. it's like, ugh, can I get this any more wrong? So I go off, and I go to Israel, and I'm there for a couple months. And mail there is really slow, and that's a lot of people didn't understand that when they mailed me a letter. It might get to you know Tel Aviv in a few days but by the time it made it to me it was about <laughs> you out six in the middle of nowhere it was about six weeks later so i get this tape and the title of the tape is no subliminal messages <laughs> and he sends it and there's no song list in it so which he always did which really annoyed me and he would sometimes on the tapes put these local scottish bands and i would never be able to figure it out because there's no shazam there's no Google, there's nothing. I just had to sort it through. And so there was a guy on the dig, another student who was from the same area in Scotland that, that Mike was from, and I asked him to listen to it. I didn't even listen to the tape first. I just handed it to this Yeah, guy. there's part of you that's just kind of like, oh, another one of these tapes. I don't want to do it. This yeah. is like too much. I, and it's called No Subliminal Messages. Yeah. I kind of don't want to do it to myself, but his taste in music was excellent and on point. <laughs> so I'll just hand it over to somebody else. Yeah. So I hand it to this guy and um, he takes it. And I told him, like, just make a song list of any song you recognize. He was like, okay, cool. And a couple of days he comes back to me and he gives me the tape with this really sheepish look on his face. And I'm like, what's up? He's like, where'd you get this tape? I said, my ex-boyfriend Mike sent it to me. And he said, I think he wants to get back together with you. Because every song on here is all like, I love you, I miss you, da, da, da. And I was like, <laughs> dude, it says right on the no subliminal messages, not, not happening. <laughs> and he was like, all right, but. And I was like, I... All evidence points yeah, to the contrary. I've already got this wrong once. I'm not twice doing it again. Now, yeah, twice. Yeah. <laughs> once I said I love you. Yeah, now time, you're yeah, like, the second no, time through the tape. Just yeah. not, not happening. So 
Mike and I actually lose touch for a long time after that, like more than a decade. So you kind of got this and then just never replied back and just was I went on with your... Yeah. yeah. You were just like, I don't know what to say to this because what am I supposed to say? Exactly. Yeah. Like, okay, fine. And every once in a while, I would hear from him because he had my old phone number okay. of where I lived on 7th Street. So even though I moved around, my friend moved into that apartment. Oh, okay. So... um. One day I got a call from my friend Sophia and she was like, oh, guess who called? <laughs> I was like, don't tell me this. And by this time I am engaged. I mean, this is years later. I've I've, okay. I've left University of Virginia. Like this is years and years, like maybe five or six years later. She's like, oh, guess who called? And I gave him your number. I was like, don't give him my number. Just no. And she had and he called me and I was like, I don't think you should call me anymore. And so he's like, okay, fine. And he was like, well, the reason that I'm calling is because I'm thinking about coming back to the States. And I said, why? Why are you calling me to tell me that? And he said, I, I can just, the deafening silence on the other end of the phone. And I was like, no, really, like, why? Why are you calling me? And he couldn't answer. I said, if you're coming back to work on your career as a sculptor and be an artist in New York, that's great. And I think that's wonderful for you. But if you are coming back to be with me, you need to say that now. And just as he was about to reply, the guy that I was seeing walked. I could see him out the window. He walked <laughs> up the front walk. <sighs> And he couldn't reply. So I was like, okay, well, got to go. Yeah, Bye. like my life is existing here. Like I have to live it. I'm sorry. Like this is not on me anymore. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So again, my life goes on. And then, ta-da, internet. <laughs> and So now we're like 10. So you're Yeah, we're about like, 10 years past that point. Okay. Past yeah. that phone call point. Past that phone okay. call. We're about 10 years past that phone call. When I start having this, I start dreaming that he's dead. And I'm at his funeral. Whoa. Yeah. And at this point, I'm married. Okay. And so my husband's like, oh, are you okay? Like, you are clearly having some kind of nightmare. I was like, yeah, I had this dream that Mike died and I was at his, and he knows who yeah, Mike yeah. is because we were friends during that, my husband and I were friends during that time. So he actually knew who Okay. Mike. So I was like, I'm dreaming that Mike's dead. And he's like, well, maybe you should try and find him on the internet and see. It'll, so you stop having this nightmare. So I was like, okay. And so I Googled him and I found him and I sent him a little note that, because I didn't really want to talk to him. I just wanted to see if he was dead or not. Yeah, you're like, okay. So I sent him um, a letter and it was just like, dude, if you're dead, okay, I'll get no reply. But if you are alive, just like. Yeah, because I'm having these crazy nightmares and I'm it's just freaking me out. know you're okay. Yeah. Right. So he called me. Actually, he left me a message because of the time difference. I wasn't there. And he left me a message saying, I guess I've been buried alive in his deep Scottish accent. So I knew exactly who it was. And um, so after that, we stayed in touch for a little while. And yeah, even past that. So we're like over the course of the next couple of years, we're just sort of in and out of touch. And then um, one day we were on the phone and we were talking and... And I said, you know, I really have to say something because it's been bugging me now for like 20 years. 
you have officially given the worst response to I love you ever <laughs> recorded. <laughs> and, you know, I'm a big fan of the Han Solo sort of uh, response to I love you, which should be I know. Um, and I was like, and he's like, what do you mean? I said, don't, that day in my apartment, we were sitting on the crappy futon and you were getting ready to leave and we we're talking about you leaving. And I said, I love you. Do you remember that? And he said, yeah. I'm like, do you remember how you applied? And he said, yeah. I said, that's unfortunate because I'm leaving in three weeks and I love you too. And I was like, no, <laughs> that's not what you said. That might have been what you were thinking, but all you said was, that's unfortunate. And he said, the funny thing about that day is I was trying to find the courage to ask you to marry me. Oh, man. And we were talking all morning about the practical aspects of me leaving, and I didn't want you to think that I wanted to marry you just because I was leaving and I wanted to stay in the country. I wanted you to know that I wanted to marry you because... Because I loved you. Oh, God. So, like, <laughs> yeah, where do, you, where do you go from there? Um, so I said, you know, all of that's interesting, but um, we're both married to other people now. Yeah, and we have been children. Years, it's been and... 20 years. And I'm happy to know. And, and the funniest thing about it, I guess, when I look back at it is when I looked at that relationship, I always thought it was so good and I always felt really loved and really seen in it. So when his response was, that's unfortunate, it made me doubt feelings maybe even more than I did before that. Yeah, because I guess it's like on <laughs> on paper, yeah, you had it, you had always been that person who's like, I'm going to turn my brain, I'm going to figure out the thing that's wrong with this thing and sabotage or whatever it is. And then it's like, I'm not going to let me do this, right? I'm going to like work through this thing and just enjoy it and not worry. Cause I do the same thing. Like my brain works, I think very similar to yours, how you're describing it. And it's like, yeah, the times that I'm able to just turn my brain off and not worry about that stuff. I enjoy these things so much more. And then to feel like, Oh man, this was all wrong, even though I thought it was right. And then you have that, you just go in your head and feel like, yeah, the one time I let this myself out there, I was rejected. <laughs> So my life lesson from that is ask a follow-up question. <laughs> yeah, don't <laughs> like, let that be the end yeah, of the conversation. <laughs> uh -huh. So if you're brave enough to actually be out there and say it, that maybe um, asking the follow-up question is a good idea. Yeah. Um, which, and I, this was my follow-up. I don't know what follow-up question yeah. you would ask. So I would like to know what your follow-up question would be. Mine was, well, if we had gotten married... Do you think we'd still be married now? Well, that's a good follow-up question. I like that. And I, because I was like, at that point, at this point, I'm, I'm divorced now twice. I didn't want to get married in the first place, but that's a whole other story yeah. <laughs> for both of those. But so when I said, like, do you think we'd still be married? He surprised me. And his answer was, of course, we'd still be married. Wow. Just like un unquestioned, like I know that this is the case. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that was a very, to me, was a very interesting response. And I think that uh, it, it still uh, astounds me um, 
thinking about it because when I, because I was approaching it as seeing marriage as this really temporary thing and a means to an end to spend more time together. Yeah, especially very practical. Yeah, that, yeah, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And he was approaching it from, yeah, I want to be together forever. And it was <laughs> sort of like, okay. So that's my, my love hurt story. And is that, so that was, so you said, I guess I'm trying, if I'm doing like math correctly, that was uh-huh. like, I don't know, 10 or so years ago, or even more than that, that you last like had this, that you had this, like this conversation on the phone, both being married and like. The last time we had a conversation about feelings. Yeah. Was 2008. Okay. Okay. But the last time we had a conversation was three weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. So we still talk. Yeah. But that was the last, like, <laughs> this is the big, this is the big feelings yeah. talk. And yeah, we don't talk about feelings anymore. I mean, I guess it's I like, like no it's good. So, yeah. I, guess, I was going to say it's, it's, it's probably a dangerous thing because, uh, I guess you sort of, at this point you sort of know all the answers, right? And mm-hmm. it's kind of just like. I can't really do anything with these answers right now because of where our lives are and that's just what it is. And yeah, you just kind of have to like live with that, I guess. Like, Yeah. I mean, I am no longer married, so I'm single right now. Um, he's married and I. it's funny because I don't really know a lot. I mean, we have had conversations about his marriage and how he is and and his life in that way, in the general way that you would with a friend. But um, he really doesn't. <laughs> he really doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, I think. I mean, <laughs> but it would, I feel like it'd be weird if it did, right? It's like I, you would not want to be the person that he's like coming to with, with yeah, if both, there was any. Po- I guess both positive and negative things, right? It's just kind of like yeah, it would be. I don't odd. need to hear about like no. I don't. We talk about we talk about astrophysics. We talk about <laughs> we talk about the non-random nature of the universe. Uh, wormholes, time wormholes. <laughs> we talk about whether or not things are art, which is probably my favorite conversation to have with him. I will text. I will t- not text. We don't text. He doesn't have a cell phone. Wow. So he yeah. still lives in Scotland? And no, like- no. He lives in Provence in this 16th century farmhouse that he restored. It's really annoying. And <laughs> and um and he is still really <laughs> fit and terrific looking which i hate <laughs> quite a bit <laughs> you oh, know man. at this point he's supposed to have a pot belly and lost his hair yeah, yeah. he's like now. aged and just yeah. that's who he is now but yeah. it's like you're like no. god damn it you're still this like <laughs> he's still hot. guy that you met yeah. at the club yeah he's really funny my friends still tease me about him sometimes too he was hilarious we used to do practical jokes on people <laughs> it was good yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. See, it's like I see. I've had people like this in my life where, and w- one has been a situation where, yeah, they've been with somebody for a long time, and yeah, there's like that admittance of feelings, but also like the admittance of like this is where our lives are, and this is all that this can be, and and just having to live with that is something that I've gotten very okay with because I'm just kind of like, yeah, I still this person still gets to be in my life when they're in my life and I care about this person a lot but I know that this is not going to be a thing and that's okay like there was a time there was definitely a time when it was stopping me from living my life and finding love and that was like a bad yeah. place 
Yeah. And I'm definitely like not there. Any- like I'm definitely good. like good. I can just like enjoy and experience things and not think about this person uh, in that way and still be able to appreciate them as a person in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's been very nice. Because it still feels like it's there's such cute. a ton of intimacy between you yeah. two, even yeah. though it's not like this romantic thing. It's still, like very much there. Very much so. Yeah. And it's it's really funny because um, I, I think about the times that I had specifically needed someone to – when you're in an emotionally vulnerable state for whatever reason because of what things that are happening in your life – and someone does something really seemingly small and inconsequential that took them, I don't know how much time they invested in it, but is really profound to the person on the receiving end. Yeah. And those are the things that remind me that I'm not the um, the robot that I wish I was, <laughs> the unfeeling robot of logic that I wish I was. Um, you know, so I had a moment of, of deep grief and he sent me a, and uh, he sent me a PDF. So I had to print it out myself of, um, of a, an 18th century botanical illustration as a bouquet of flowers that you would send. So yeah. briefed, um, my, <laughs> a lot of my research is in, I, I study, um, bioprospecting and ethnobotany in in the 18th century. So it was like it <laughs> had meaning specific. on a lot of yes, it was very yeah. specific. It had a lot of meanings on a lot of levels. But this was, I mean, there was there was there's no hint of romance between us. It is still a very intimate, intellectually yes. intimate relationship. Yeah. And so when he does something like that, it's it, it makes me go like, ooh, how did I get this so wrong? Um again and again. <laughs> but maybe I got it a little bit right too. Um, I also think there's just like, yes, I know it's not like this happy ending, uh, whatever <laughs> story, but there's like, I think there's such a benefit to having somebody who knows you that well in your life. Like, yes, yeah. we're not happily ever after, but like having a person like that who can like do those things to you and just like know that they're there in mm-hmm. your life is like such a benefit. Well, it's funny because before I got married the second time, I called him and I was like, hey. Just checking in with you because things are getting serious <laughs> on this side of the Atlantic. Um, if you're having any thoughts <laughs> about maybe starting this up again, um, just letting you know that uh, someone just proposed to me and I have not yet given him an answer. So just wanted to check in. Just checking in, <laughs> and and he um, he was like, yeah. His answer was. I could never get custody of my son. So I think that's a kind of nebulous freaking answer to give someone. So again, I I have to say, I felt like I was brave enough just to put it out there and I did not need a follow up on that one. Yeah, that felt like a clear, this is, I don't need to go into this anymore. So yeah. But you're asking the question. Yeah. So so I did learn the first time to ask, ask it one follow up. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Uh yeah. thanks so much for sharing, Edith. Oh, my pleasure. Um yeah, do you if people have like want to follow you on online, do you have like social media or like a website or something or anything I, you want to plug? I have social media. I am Edith Gonzalez, um uh also known as Egon the Great. So E G O N dot T H E dot great on Instagram. And I will post I do post things um 
when I'm performing on May 23rd, I am going to be at Caveat at nine o'clock for the Risk um, True Stories Boldly Told. If you want to hear something truly, truly heartbreaking, come hear that um, because that seems to be a theme. Um, yeah. Cool. Thanks, cool. Edith. Bye. Bye. <laughs> this is how we love. This is how we fight for something that's right. Love Hurts is produced, hosted, and edited by Brian Berlin. Theme music by Mickey Hommel. Show art by Caroline Mallon. You can find Love Hurts wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about it. You can also support the show and get exclusive content each month by going to patreon.com slash lovehurtspod. You can find Love Hurts on Instagram and Twitter at lovehurtspod and our website is lovehurtspod.com. I'm Brian Berlin, and this is Love Hurts.